0: Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi
1: Yost. Today's special, shout it loud and clear. Today's special.
0: The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted a lot of things. One of the biggest ones is the divide between organizations that have embraced the digital world and those that haven't or can't. Back in 2005, when former CEO Lisa Wilde stepped into her role, she saw it as her mission to bring TVO into the digital world. But along with that came some hard choices, such as canceling Saturday Night at the Movies and Studio 2. On this episode of TVO at 50, she joins us to explore those decisions and how TVO got to where it is today. I think you were the longest serving CEO of all time at TVO, right? So, okay, shall we dive in here, Lisa?
1: Let's plunge. (laughs)
0: Let's start with uh, the obvious first question, which is uh, why did you want the job at TVO to begin with?
1: Hmm. I think I really do believe in the mission of tvo the idea of being able to use media to make the world a better place was it really spoke to me um at a pretty you know visceral level and i've always been fascinated by what you can do with technology and the idea of using media technology and education to really make an impact was something that I thought would be complex and interesting. I'm comfortable working in the public sector as well as in the not-for-profit and private sector. So, you know, I felt it would be uh, a really interesting place to be. You can see I like things that are complex and interesting. I also really like the idea of being able to work with a team of people to, you know, to create an impact. And, you know, at the end of the day, at that particular time, the whole broadcasting industry was going through a ton of change. And I just thought this was an opportunity to help transform TVO and to work with a group of great people and, you know, to to take all that change and to turn it into something that had real public value.
0: Well, I want to pick up on the public versus private thing, because you were a successful executive in the private sector running Astral before you came to TVO, and I I wondered how you, you know, the private sector's got its own share of of annoyances and challenges, but they're probably different from the annoyances and challenges of a public sector bureaucracy. Any concerns about dealing with those before you came to TVO?
1: No, because I also had started my career in the public sector, right? So I had, um, you know, come to understand what the DNA of the public sector is all about, you know, what are the motivations, how people um, figure out how to get stuff done. But I also really do believe that there's a lot about the toolkit that you use in the private sector and in the public sector that is the same. And, you know, that was something that, you know, it didn't, it, it actually, I thought it was going to be fun.
0: Hmm. Now, when you first came to TVO, and we're talking, I guess, the fall of 2005 now. If I remember right, you did a kind of a listening tour. You talked to a lot of employees. You wanted to get the lay of the land and just sort of get the uh, you know the inner story of how things work there. What did you want to find
1: out? Well, one of the things that was so attractive about TVO is its size. Like I literally could meet every person who worked there, and I really wanted to understand you know what the sources of pride were, what people believed were the opportunities that hadn't. Um, been able to be realized to date. And, you know, I think it would be pretty arrogant to come in and think you actually had the recipe card. I, I knew that I had a lot to learn.
0: Well, you also knew you were going to take over a place that in all likelihood was going to see its budget cut every year that you were there. And again, I, as you sort of embark upon a job knowing that you're going to have fewer resources to do more of the things of what you wanted to do, how did you deal with that?
1: the big ambition was to figure out how to do more with less and you know we had to make lots of choices about how do we take some costs out and you know that was I guess you know uh, it was an exercise in really ongoing discipline but that isn't really what motivated me what motivated me was how do we actually provide great and unique value to the people of Ontario? And you know, I was really um, motivated to make the organization relevant. You know, it was already 35 years old, and you know, to continue to be relevant is you know something that I think every organization has to constantly strive for.
0: Now, one of the, one of the toughest decisions you made when you when you first came in was the decision to cancel Studio Two, which had been on the air for I guess twelve years at that point, the network's first daily flagship current affairs program, and replacing it with something that eventually became known as the Agenda. And um, I, I guess for, for, for my own reasons, I want to know what went into that decision, and uh, and you can tell everybody else while we're at it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. I started from a place of real conviction about the importance of high quality journalism. But as in so many cases at TVO, we had to temper that kind of ambition with what do we have the means, the resources to achieve with excellence? And so there was a piece around, you know, how do we reinvent a daily current affairs show that would cost less money? And that would be more of a studio in-studio program that would have, you know, less field crews, less trips out into the field, and yet stay true to what was by then, you know, as you say, a 12-year legacy of, um, you know, people tuning in every night because it was the flagship, and it was the place to find out, um, you know, what was going on in Ontario.
0: Now, when the announcement went out that the show was going to be canceled. Um how do I put this? It was a little bit like a bomb hit the place, right? There were a lot of people who were really quite, if anybody doubted that you were going to be a change agent, you know, (laughs) when you took over the job, those doubts went out the window after that announcement was made. Do you remember that day?
1: Yes, I do. And you always help me remember it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do remember you and I had a conversation that day. Yes, we did. The
1: good news was That we also had a commitment of new dollars to modernize the organization and to take it from you know analog broadcasting production and distribution facilities that were really really in their their past their due date and we we got the money to to move into the digital world and to start uh what was a massive transformation and so you know, I think when you make tough choices, um, it's a lot more galvanizing for the team to be able to to see that there is a path forward, that this isn't simply retrenchment.
0: You actually, I think, may have had an even more difficult call than canceling Studio 2, which was Saturday Night at the Movies, uh, maybe the most iconic show in the network's history, 39 years on the air. And again, you you know, you had to make a decision that this was not going to be one of our core businesses, and that got canceled too. How tough was that call?
1: Well, canceling anything is not fun. Um, but the way that I approach any of those tough calls is to really figure out like, where is the strategy leading us? And you know, for us at TVO, the strategy was all about how do we deliver unique value? And one of the amazing assets that TVO has had from day one is its educational mandate. And I think that that educational mandate defined in a really helpful way the sandbox within which um, everything we did needed to take place.
0: So in essence, you, you had to come to the conclusion, I gather, that, you know, we can't do 10 things reasonably well. We've got to be just superb at three. Was that the gist of it?
1: Yes. And I think, you know, when you look at film, which, you know, is a personal passion of mine, uh, when Saturday Night at the Movies was launched, it was a pretty bold and spectacular uh, initiative. By 10 years ago, it was, you know, there were just a plethora of places to watch movies on video monitors, uh, Netflix was in ascendance, and there was really nothing unique. And I, I do believe that when you are in the the public space, it's incumbent on you to really do things that the private sector isn't doing.
0: And showing uncut movies was no longer something that the private sector wasn't doing. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, okay, one of the things that has always uh, kind of annoyed uh, me about our relationship is that you have been notoriously tight-lipped when it comes to my wanting to get information out of you about um, how you deal with things at Queen's Park. So I, I'm, I'm g- going to gently nudge you into a direction here where I hope you're going to be a little more forthcoming than you typically are. Because, of course, one of, your, one of the biggest jobs that a CEO of, of a government agency has to do is, you know, deal with the folks at Queen's Park, deal with the folks at the Ministry of Education and in the Premier's office. Can you let us in on how how you manage that relationship? Because obviously satisfying the folks at Queen's Park is not a big part of my job. It's not a part of my job at all, but it was a part of your job. Can you let us in on some of that?
1: Well, I did figure out that over my experience at TVO, I reported to 10 different ministers of education. And oh you know, frankly, they all had their unique skills and they all had their teams And I guess I actually see a bit more of a continuity with my career in the private sector in the sense that I've always liked working in media where public policy is an important part of the environment in which you have to play, where you have to figure out how to align what your organization's interests and strategies are with the bigger issues of public policy, regulation, law. And to me, it's all just a puzzle. And so the approach that I have always taken is to communicate, to over-communicate, to not present surprises. And I like trying to figure out how to bring solutions. And so I believe that over the time that I was serving TVO, we came to be seen as people who came to the table, not asking for money all the time, um, with solutions that were practical, that could be implemented, that we could solve problems. And over time, I think we really did start uh, to be seen as the place that could solve some of the really interesting big issues around uh, modernizing education.
0: Well, it's interesting now that that uh, you know we have a whole arm of the place that's, uh, that deals with online education. And uh, well, what do you know? We're in the middle of a pandemic and it turns out that's kind of handy to have. Yes. ILC. Well, okay. I, I'm going to push you a little further on this because I have been reliably advised, and I repeat, not by you. Unfortunately, you were tight-lipped about the whole damn thing. But I am reliably advised that at one point, um, one of those education ministers that you served with, Laurel Broughton, wanted you to cut TVO's budget by 40%. And I'm told uh, as well that when you learned this, you demanded a meeting with Premier Dalton McGuinty in the hopes of getting that number reduced. You got the meeting with the premier. It can now be told, Lisa, what happened in that meeting?
1: Well, I don't think it's a deep, dark secret. We ultimately had our budget reduced, but by a lot less than what had been um, you know, the threat. But I think more importantly, it galvanized me to say, okay, for this organization that really does deliver tremendous value for the amount of money that we receive from taxpayers, we need to get beyond being something that's horse traded at budget time. And we really needed to become, you know, seen as must have in the eyes of uh, politicians and uh, decision makers. And, you know, that's really what led to the 2012 big new strategic plan that was anchored in learning. And where really the conviction was we need to take content that's created by TVO into classrooms and have that content used by students and teachers and come to be seen as an integral part of the formal learning process as opposed to simply the surrounding the school approach that had been uh, where we had played to date.
0: I can just imagine when you had your meeting with Laurel Broden, and, uh, who doesn't live in Ontario anymore, incidentally, and, and uh, you know.
1: Yeah, she's in Nova Scotia.
0: Yeah, lo- long ago left, and I'm sure doesn't worry about this stuff anymore, <laughs> but, I, you know, I can just imagine you going in to meet her, and she's saying, you know what, I'm going to cut your budget 40%, and what your reaction to that would have been. You, what Can you tell us what you said to her?
1: Well, over time, we really put together a case, a financial analysis that showed that you know, there wasn't a, there was no TVO uh, operating on 50% of the budget.
0: So if you're going to cut the budget that much, you may as well just turn the lights out and send us all home. Is that the idea?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I hope that by then I had the credibility that I had shown how you could take costs out. I mean, as you alluded to at the beginning, Steve, you know, every year we had effectively less money because, you know, even with low inflation, we were still having, um Uh, you know labor costs for example would always be going up a couple of points so we Mm -hmm. had to find ways to to take those costs and absorb them so I think you know we over time we built the credibility that said you know we ran a tight ship and uh, that we delivered value but but that's why I do really come back to the strategy it's like it, it it couldn't it we needed to get beyond the dollars and cents and really be seen as part of the uh, educational ecosystem.
0: Hmm. Now, uh, I might give a different answer to this question than you might, because uh, when people ask me, you know, what what do you think the most important accomplishment of Lisa DeWilds was when she was at TVO?
1: Oh, come on. Um, I'll say it's the launching of the agenda with Steve Pagan. Well,
0: that's what I would have said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but listen, I admit to a bit of a bias on that one, but... Um, but no, look at you. I mean, you, you, you got the show started and 15 years later, we're still on the air. And, um, you know, I will forever be grateful to you for that. But, uh, oh, come you on. know, uh, I think that's a, that, that's a pretty good accomplishment. You got any others you want to put on the list?
1: Oh, I do look back at the five-year plan that did make that shift and, you know, really started to highlight the high school uh, courses. I do think that that... Um, you know it's frankly i think as we have looked at what happened in in the COVID 19 pandemic tvo was positioned to deliver a response in you know very short period of time in a way that um you know really was incredibly important to the province now of course i look around and i say you know when we were able to extend the current affairs impact through the Ontario hubs, all financed by philanthropy. That was pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. I think we raised more money on your watch from uh, private philanthropy than at any other time in TVO's history. I mean, we got, some, we got some seven-figure donations. We did. When you were there, which is amazing.
1: Well, I mean, it, it shows how we can be perceived to, to make a big impact. And yeah, it was incredibly gratifying.
0: What didn't you get done that you wish you had?
1: I wish that we'd had more money to spend on marketing so that we could have really got the message out to the broad general public um, about just the expanse of the services that TVO offers. You know, I think there's an underappreciation pre-pandemic of, you know, the fact that TVO offers high school courses, that TVO offers Mathify and Empower, you know, math games. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, that the breadth of the offering was something that, you know, we just never had the money to, to get uh, the message out. And, you know, I love to work hard. And so, you know, I would like to have had more time. I mean, I think there just were more uh, opportunities to take public media and to take educational media in new directions. And, you know, it's a pretty amazing team at TBO, and that was a lot of fun
0: fabulous what are you up to these days
1: i've just started teaching at Schulich in the business school and i'm working on a course with trina mcqueen and we're it's a specialized program for people who want to uh, work in media arts or entertainment after their degree and so it's a lot of fun it's actually really interesting to see you know how to use the virtual uh, platform we're doing everything on zoom and uh, I'm I'm getting a lot of energy out of that. I'm also looking at a lot of things in the ed tech space because you know, I think there's a lot of movement going on there.
0: I think it'd be a joy to work with Trina, who was one of the absolute pioneers of journalism. Uh, she might have been the only yes. female reporter on the air when she started, and of course was on the board at TVO and um, and and is a legend, frankly. She really is. She is. Yeah. Well, that's Lisa DeWilde, the former CEO of TVO from 2005 to 2019. Lisa, not, not only thank you for this, but thank you for everything you did for the place while you were there. It's great to talk to you again.
1: Thanks, Steve.
0: And that's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara, editing by Donnie Swanson, research help from Kate Petch, Carol Elder, and Elizabeth Carroll. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Halliwell and Nikki Ashworth next time on the podcast
1: here i was as the minister thinking we're going to do some really good things because people have been calling for an upgrade updating uh, for many years in fact they've been suffering financially so here we think we're going to do a great turn i was vilified and i remember the moment i was in my office doing an interview when matt galloway used to do the three after, the three o'clock in the afternoon news show on CBC. And I thought, what a little brat. He was He was terrible with me. I don't even know the guy. I thought he was being just awful, asking me very pointed questions. And it didn't matter how many times I said, we're not cutting their funding. It just didn't matter.
0: I'm Steve Pakin. Bye-bye.